Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders podcast from GoPowerCat.com and Blue Mark Energy. Tim Fitzgerald, Matt Walters, and Travis Tannehill are your trio today. Ryan Black is off doing Ryan Black things, and none of us really want to know what that is. But does your company or employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. And real quick, before we get started here, if you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, take the time to do it right now because it's Cyber Monday. And oh, by the way, it's going to be Cyber Tuesday for us on the 24-7 Sports Network. You have Monday and Tuesday to grab the best price you will ever get on an annual subscription, a new subscription. This is not for upgrades to GoPowerCat. Hop in, 75% off. One-fourth the price for a year of K-State sports coverage from the guys who have been doing it the longest of anyone in the marketplace. My guys just absolutely crank with coverage. And if you're missing out on our recruiting Wednesdays from Ryan Wallace, Adam Suderman, and Ryan Gilbert, our recruiting team, you are seriously being cheated out of some great insider knowledge of the recruiting world, according to K-State football. 75% off at GoPowerCat.com. Monday and Tuesday only remaining on this Cyber Monday sale. Take advantage of it. Kansas State loses 32-31 at Baylor on Saturday on a last-second field goal. And, Matt, I think that sucked worse than last week. Losing that way is worse than 45 to nothing. Your thoughts? Well, it was good to see K-State, you know, show life offensively because they showed no life offensively at Iowa State and you know after after Baylor scored just like that within the first two minutes of the game and then K-State responds on that long Malik Knowles touchdown run he thought okay maybe this is is going to be a ball game and it turned out to be just that and you know again a couple of things stand out Uh, one is on the wrong side of the ledger a bad third quarter I mean K-State just can't get anything going offensively in the third quarter and the opponent has a tendency to come back and the, the silly mistakes and penalties and, uh, you know, those contribute in the loss. K-State found its running game again, did some really good things. And what's amazing to me is Friday K-State has to insert two new guards and, you know, within a span of, 30 hours, you know, those guys did a pretty good job at Baylor. So it's a tough way to lose. Personally, I'd rather get beat on a last second field goal than to get housed 45 nothing and get your feelings hurt that way. Uh, but 
you know, K-State goes over in November, and now they've got Texas coming to town. There were there were a lot of positives, but you know, I'm I'm sure Chris Klein was, uh, and probably still is, you know, a little bit um, uh, agitated at the the mistakes and the penalties that you know partly cost his team the game. Trav, your thoughts? I mean, yeah. Overall, you love to see a team, you know, bounce back from a from a bad loss and, and at least you know show a little fire, show a little determination to go out there and compete. So, um, you know, in that regard, which I think we all expect this Kansas State team to do, this Kansas State team, no matter who's been the coach, has never been one to um, back down from a fight and, and, and lay down. So, um, in that regards, you know, it was good to see. I'm with Matt. I'd much rather see a good competitive ball game and lose on a last second field goal, even though it does hurt. Um, you know, at least you weren't embarrassed. At least you weren't, uh, you know, at least we got to watch the second half, unlike the week prior. <laughs> so, um, but overall, you know, little things, little penalties, little mistakes. I don't know. Um, you know, what, what struck out to me was like, this seemed like a game that, that, that a coach Snyder team wins. Um, you know, they, they would have done the little things right. He, he coached Snyder's teams in past history, find a way to win this ball game. Um, Coach Kleiman team did not this week. I think, you know, his team will get there. Uh, but but that was one of those games that at a Kansas State University with the type of talent that we bring in on a regular basis, um, you got to find a way to win those games. And, and and they were unable to do so. Yeah, Matt, that was disappointing. They, they seemed to do a lot right. They seemed to always have the answer until the very end of the game when they couldn't do anything on that drive. And then they let Baylor go down the field to kick the field goal. Um, at it just was a very difficult way to see them go because the offense did show signs of life, as you said. Chris Kleiman brought it up earlier today on the Big 12 teleconference. Will Howard directed some two really nice drives and got it done there in the second half, but they just needed one more. And I think you know, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the the penalties. And for me, and I'm just speaking for me, myself, and I, is I think there there has to become and I. I'm not in the confines of veneer every day, so I don't know what the, the repercussions are. Uh, but I know what they were for Bill Snyder, and you you have to eliminate those mistakes. Period. End of sentence. You have to cut the stupid, selfish mistakes out of it, and and then you have to you have to cut the uh, the the not smart mistakes, um, the 15 yarders, and. The reason I say that is because answer answer me this: What Shabastin Taylor did? How does how does that make you better? How does it make your teammate better? How does that make your team better? You guys got an answer for that? Because I don't. Nope. And I never uh, saw what he did because TV didn't show so it. So there's uh, there's it's just it's unacceptable and. As Travis said, Bill Snyder teams won those games. They didn't necessarily in the first four or five years, but they got to that point where that was a ritual and they won those games. And I think Chris Kleiman's teams are going to be on that trajectory, but those those things have to be eliminated. And, you know, Fitz, you brought up Will Howard. Um, he makes that, that poor mistake, that poor use of judgment right away, and then I thought he recovered nicely. I mean, he could have gone in the tank. He could have gone off the deep end. He didn't. Uh, again, K-State found its running game. But it's hard unless you're running for 300, 350 yards to win games if you're only passing for 88. And, and right now, K-State's just not able to do enough on both sides of the football. They're not quite complete enough. Uh, and when you throw in those mistakes, that's why you lose those games. 
Trav, K-State lined up on their last possession and tried to run the ball like a team, as Matt pointed out, that had been running for 300 yards. They tried to power run their way to victory, and, dude, that wasn't going to get it done unless they just caught a break and Deuce Vaughn found a crease, which, you know, Baylor was ready for that. I, I'm, I was just really disappointed in that last possession. Yeah, and, and I know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Adam, I was a little confused in the press conference. That, was, that first play was supposed to be a zone read, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love that play call. I, mean, I think that's a good play call. You know, if, if Will's able to um, make the correct read, it's a split second decision. It's harder than it looks. Um, so, you know, that's not on the coaching staff necessarily. I like that play call. But um, yeah, I think in that situation, you got to, I mean, you got to find a way to lean on the quarterback run game just because you know you're going to be outnumbered in the box because Baylor knows what's coming. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it, it seemed like, too, opening up that third quarter. I believe it was for sure the first two drives. They had fourth and less than one twice in a row. Um, so it, it was kind of just a frustrating on top of that because it's like, hey, they're moving the ball. They're just not able to move the chains, which led to two early punts in the third quarter. And then, you know, they're on the last drive of the game. Again, just got a little too, um, I don't know, not, not defiant on the run, but they just – it's the smart play. They just got to find a way to execute and, and get the first down. So I don't know if you trust a true freshman quarterback to throw the football um on, on first or second down but um unfortunately you know the play calls they called didn't work and and I, you know obviously they probably looking back at film they wish they would have called this wish they would have called that hindsight's 2020 um, but i think if will pulls that ball like he probably should have i think uh k-state probably picks up the first down there and that game's totally changed i think there was also i think one of the spots left a lot to be desired by the officiating crew. Yeah. Uh, a lot of spots in the game. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was biting my lip as I said that. But, <laughs> I, and to be honest, there's, there are a number of guys on the crew that I think do a really good job, but there were a lot of errors and missteps um, on Saturday. You know, I think, uh, again, you've, you've got to have the confidence in, in the passing game at times to get certain things accomplished. And, um, you know, I was – on one note, I was glad to see Malik Knowles bust that long touchdown run for 75 yards. Uh, but when you look at the receiving department, again, how many catches did he have in 60 minutes? One. Uh, so, you know, in the ball game, Will completed just nine passes. And in 60 minutes, that's typically just not going to be enough. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, I credit Deuce Vaughn. I'll tell you, a guy that was kind of an un unsung hero in that ball game to me was Harry Trotter. You know, I thought Harry Trotter busted some good runs, ran hard, got after it, hit some guys. Uh, and then, you know, the, I know we haven't talked about the defense really, but you think about what K State's linebackers did in Ames. And you had to feel for Fletcher and for Green because. You know, they're, they're thrust into the line like getting those starts. There's no Hughes. There's no uh, there's no Sullivan. But, boy, howdy, those two linebackers played infinitely better uh, against Baylor. In fact, those, they were the top two tacklers in the ballgame on Saturday. So, uh, again, it's, you know, nobody's about moral victories. Chris Klein is the first to say that. But there was just – there were so many more good things that happened than did at the Iowa State game. And, you know, again, when we when we start talking about Texas, you're talking about a whole different uh, mad cow, so to speak. It's coming along this weekend because I think physically the the 
the physicality that is going to be a part of this ball game on Saturday, I think, is going to really stand out. Well, Matt, being part of the broadcast crew, you can't say it, but I will say it: the, the officiating crew stunk. They 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 were wildly inconsistent, and unfortunately, it worked against K State. I don't think it was any grand scheme; it just worked against K State in a lot of their calls. And early on, and and I, you know, I ask questions on the sidelines, and most of the crews will talk to me. And what was I think what was most frustrating about the call against Drew Wiley? And I'll be the first to admit, I didn't see it. I did not. I saw him collide with the Baylor player, but I did not see Drew get shoved in the back. Then I saw it afterwards. I saw replay. And that was a mistake that could have been changed. It was a correctable error. The officiating crew got together. There was a, a little delay in the action there. And because it was a correctable error, had one member of that officiating crew said, guys, I saw it. 59 in white got blatantly shoved in the back. He did absolutely nothing wrong. They could have righted that wrong on the spot. Problem was there wasn't that one official that said just that. None of them happened to see it in that 15-yarder, you know, really, really cost Kansas State. But there were there were some hiccups. That happens. It's frustrating. You don't you don't want to see that. That's why they're getting paid to, to keep order and run that ball game the way it should be run. But um, yeah, and unfortunately, sometimes it's the deck is stacked against you a little bit. And right now, K State can't seem to, to get some yeah. breaks. Well, the spot was another troubling thing. There was a they kept marking the ball short. Both teams. Yeah. And they reviewed one for Baylor that almost picked up the first down, but it was still fourth down. The fact they didn't even look at that spot when it was clearly the ball was across whatever the yard line it was, a, a five-digit yard line, and, and didn't even look at it because it was short of the first down when it should have been a first down. Guys, I think that call alone might have changed the game. That first down might have given Casey enough time. And that's one of the frustrating things for me about the college game right now because – Think how often the chains come off the sideline and come out to measure something. Uh, it, it's very few. It used to be very commonplace. And now because the, they want to keep the game sped up, they eyeball it. They, they tell the chain gang to move. But very, very rarely do chains come out on the field. And, and to me, I, I don't care if it takes 45 minutes. Get it right. Bring the chains out. And do what you're supposed to do. And it just doesn't happen nearly enough anymore. I will even find fault in the Cleed Duke hit. I mean, what's a guy supposed to do? He hit him on the thigh, not knees or below, and that's what was called. It's just everything seemed to work against K-State in this game, unfortunately. And uh, it just added up to a loss. But I'll, I'll just say this. The, the officials didn't lose the game. K-State wasn't exact enough. They gave up the, the underneath routes in the second half over and over and over and really didn't adjust to them. They uh, didn't make the play when they needed to make the play to put it away, so it, it rests on their shoulders. But, boy, a really, really frustrating loss. And let's let's talk about the defense. Travis, that was as good a K-State defense in the first half as I've seen in a long, long time. They got after him with six sacks. Baylor had less than 100 yards of offense, just totally dominated that first half. Weren't as good as in the second half, didn't make it, a counter-adjustment to Baylor's adjustment, but still the defense played incredibly well at stretches. 
Yeah, I mean, overall, I think I think both sides of the ball played, you know, very, very close to, to winning football. And that's where I think you got to find the, the positives is like, hey, this offense, you know, they played, you know, let's say C minus. And if they just play a C plus, they, they probably win this game. Or on the defense overall, you know, if they played a, um, a C plus, if they can just find a way to sneak that up to a B minus, then uh, next thing you know, this team. Was, so if either side of that ball can elevate their play, you know, j- just a little bit, I think this would have been a much more competitive football team throughout the season. Um, so, but overall, you know, defense, I think you got to be excited how they play with the first half, especially missing, uh, you know, the linebacking, basically the whole entire linebacking unit. Um, defensive line did a nice job getting some pressure up front. The biggest worry for me, especially in that second half, was this this defense was a pretty good tackling football team early on in the season, and there were some blatant, very bad missed tackles in that second half of that ball game. I think that's the biggest worry, especially going up going up against an athletic Texas team, is if they get if they want a chance to compete and they want a chance to keep this Texas offense off the field, they're gonna have to tackle better. Um, and they proved they've done it. They did it early on in the year, and they did not do that in the second half of this game. Think about what Charlie Brewer did to K State on the ground on Saturday night. He was Baylor's leading rusher, 56 yards. Oddly enough, it took it was on 23 carries. So his yards per carry total wasn't very high. But if you allow that to Charlie Brewer, what Sam Ellinger can do to you is two or threefold that. And I think what K-State did earlier is they did a really good job of forming that bowl, keeping, you know, keeping Charlie Brewer in the pocket. And then in the second half, it's as you said, K-State didn't really adjust to, uh, you know, the adjustment that Baylor made. But I also thought in the second half, K-State's defensive line at times didn't stay in their lanes. They did not keep Brewer hemmed in, and he was able to burn them, uh, whether it was up the gut or, or getting out on the edge and doing some things. But, you know, again, that's a veteran quarterback, and they did not uh, they did not ask him to throw a bunch of bombs in that game. He just kept, you know, picking K-State apart over the middle, and we've seen that for – you know, the better part of this year and, and really the last year and a half. And that, to me, that, again, is an area where K-State's really got to batten down the hatches. they got to get some linebackers that uh, can can stop that kind of stuff during the course of ball games. And, uh, again, that's that's something we'll see if it happens. But, uh, you know, you tip your cap to Charlie Brewer, but K-State's defense is going to have to keep Sam Ellinger uh, corralled. And as Travis said, Sometimes it's going to take two guys because he's strong as an ox, but you got to get him to the ground because uh, Ellinger can be very dangerous. Well, Chris Kleiman said on the Big 12 teleconference he, he expects his linebackers to be back, Sullivan and Hughes, which would be very helpful, well-timed with Texas coming in. We'll see if they uh, clear everything this week and are able to go. But, Travis, losing your two starting guards as you're about to board the plane Nothing could be more 2020 than that. You know, they, they've practiced all week. They've tested fine all week. And then on Friday, that final antibodies test, they come up both positive. I find it curious, and uh, they don't make the trip. With that said, I still thought with Revis and, and um, Adler sitting at home that this offensive line did a pretty good job. I thought the subs in Del Forge – and uh, Poitier did Poitier did a good job. They they held up for most of the game when they were playing. Your thoughts on the offensive line? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that was – I'm just trying to think back to, like, my playing days. Like, did we ever lose anyone that last minute? And let alone two key players like, like 
like, you know, two starters on the offensive line. And I just can't even think back to, to ever, you know, you always knew someone was going to be questionable. So we better get this backup reps because they might be asked to, to come in on, on Saturday. Where may, and maybe that's honestly, that's probably how they're treating the whole entire season is everyone. Um, if you're on the three or four deep, you better be ready to play and, and you're getting, uh, you know, reps as if you are, but uh, no, overall, you know, very impressed with the run game, which it's been a, up and down season for that whole offensive line unit. Um, there's been some games that look pretty good, and there's been other games where I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the worst offensive line Kansas State's ever had. So um, if they can just continue to, I don't know, continue to build on that and continue to maybe just play with more consistency, um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I would have loved to see Harry Trotter get the ball more. I thought he ran very well. I think he's an excellent, um, you know, I think Deuce Vaughn's better, but I don't think you know, but Harry Trotter brings something a little different and, and, and maybe not even better or worse. They're just different and they both have earned the right to get their reps. And I think bringing in Trotter is a nice one, two punch. Um, so I would love to see him get more of that. And, you know, only five carries. I think you got to find a way to get him, you know, eight, maybe 10 carries a game. And that'll help that offensive line and help that offensive rush game get a little more production. I agree. I, I thought he was underused. He was running well, running really hard. Um, and hammering at that Baylor defense, and they just didn't give him the ball very much. But that's just the way a game develops sometimes. What would be really nice is 6'1", 210 pounds, carrying the mail to have – and I'm, nothing against Harry Trotter. But, again, when you've got Deuce Vaughn, and I'm telling you what, you, he, he dropped some jock straps on the field Saturday on a rainy artificial surface – but K State, and I'm, everybody wants it, but they got to find that 6'1, 210 pound dude that can bust some tackles and carry the mail and can pick him up and put him down with the best of them. That's the next piece in that K State backfield. And Jacardi, you're right, might be that guy, but he's got a lot of stuff to take care of. He's got to get himself more uh, sunken into the playbook and protect the ball better in practice, from what I'm told. Uh, but he might be that guy eventually. He's just not quite there to earn the trust of his coaches. One more thing before we take a break. Uh, Matt, every time they play a young offensive lineman this season, I like him. And, I, you know, I really saw some signs of hope there. I think uh, what Taylor Portier did in his time on the field uh, before he got hurt was really, really promising. I liked Del Forge, too. I got to tip my hat. To Connor Riley, I think he's done a great job, considering he had to completely rebuild his unit without spring football, and has had all these absences. Just plugging them in, he didn't get to practice those guys with the one, so he kind of had some walkthroughs at the hotel in Waco to get them ready to play on Saturday. Incredible. And there's guys that you know you've seen very little of this year that uh, are just going to get you know bigger and bigger. He he wants road graders and. I think the offensive line has developed, and you know Connor's been pretty upfront. He doesn't feel that the O line has been as good as he thought it would or could be. Uh, they've been inconsistent, but I, I, you got to give him credit for what transpired from Friday to Saturday. Um, you know, even though Baylor was one and five, and guys, think think about this. You know, I, I know I said this multiple times on the air on Saturday. Baylor was one and five. Their only win was KU. But what was Baylor's worst loss deficit-wise in that five-game stretch? 11, wasn't it? 11 points. They hadn't been getting housed. They hadn't been playing like KU. They just 
they're kind of in K-State's boat. They've made enough mistakes to lose the close games. And that there are a lot of similarities. Now, Baylor's a much more athletic football team than K-State is right now, um, especially a wide receiver. But, um, again, what Connor Riley did was spectacular. And, and K-State is – fans got to be patient. It's going to take three or four years. It's coming. Get ready for it. Those who jumped off are going to jump right back on. But, uh, again, it's reality. K-State's not a finished product. Nowhere close to it. But they're, they're getting better, and it's, it's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, that's it for the first half of the Powercat Insiders podcast. On the other side, we're going to talk about Texas. That game time is set for 11 a.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Fox is sending in the A-team. So Gus and Joel will be at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and that's always good to hear. And we also will sneak in a little hoops talk as we continue with the Powercat Insiders podcast sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. The Powercat podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Insiders, the Powercat Insiders podcast brought to you by GoPowerCat.com and Blue Mark Energy, our friends down in Tulsa. They're a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. And don't miss out. Cyber Monday, right now, gopowercat.com, 75% off. It ends Tuesday night. Don't mess around and miss out on this great price, the best deal we offer at GoPowerCat and 24-7 Sports. 75% off right now. Guys, win four, lose four. Less than ideal, but it still means you're 500 going into your final game uh, against Texas, 500 and 
conference play. They're four and five overall, of course. They lost Arkansas State. Matt, I this is such a vague, lazy question, uh, but I'm going to ask it. Can they regroup and get this done against Texas? Yeah, I still think the deck is stacked against Kansas State going into this game. And I go back to what I said in the first half of the show, and it's the, the physicality of it. Um, but there's so much more that plays into it. You know, Texas, <laughs> here's what Texas has staring at them. No Big 12 championship game. All sorts of questions about their head coach. Rumors of already about who will be next. You know, Sam Ellinger, I would think, is likely playing his last game. I don't know why he would come back next year. He's going to have an opportunity in the National Football League. But, uh, you know, I it's senior day at K-State, and it's not going to – nothing's going to surprise me. Uh, nothing's going to surprise me if K-State wins, if Texas wins. Uh, what would probably surprise me more than anything is if K-State blew out Texas – and won by three or four touchdowns, but there's not going to be a whole lot that's going to, you know, knock me off my pins when it comes to this ball game on Saturday. I, I, I'm let me. I'm going to ask you that question back in a different way, Fitz. Who's more likely to respond the right way mentally, K State or Texas? K State. I, I I really believe that, and as many issues as K State's had, uh, Texas can be. Uh, absent mentally from a game where they do have stakes. Now that they don't have stakes in this game, uh, I, I really wonder what their capacity will be in this contest because they've lost games when Sam Ellinger's played well. So we're going to find out real quick, I think, if they're locked in. It's supposed to be a little bit chilly on Saturday morning. That works to K-State's advantage. Uh, Texas does have a rescheduled game with Kansas next week, but I don't think they'll play that game. It has no bearing on the Big 12 standings at this point. Uh, I know Kansas is just done. You could you can just see they're done. I mean, they've had a lot of COVID issues, and they're youthful, and they're, they've just kind of given up on the season, getting blown out like that by TCU and Tech's a 31-point favorite at home against Kansas Tech. That's that's almost the ninth-best team, eighth or ninth-best team in the conference. So I don't think they'll play that game. But I, I think K-State will be locked in. This is a home game. This is senior day. And we'll find out if it has meaning. Travis, does Senior Day really have motivation for players, or is it just kind of a nice thing where everyone gets some flowers? I mean, normally I think it does, but this year's weird. It might not even be their Senior Day. They might be coming back next year due to you know eligibility forgiveness this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, Senior Day is obviously a big day. Those guys have put in four or five, some of those guys six years into the program. Um, and, and you love to get, you know, see that reward, you know, for the starters and, and the scout team guys and everyone alike. I mean, it's just kind of a, a cool day where you make sure all your family's there. And, you know, even guys, uh, family from far away that doesn't get to most of the home games, uh, they always make sure they're there for senior night and so, uh, or senior day in this, in this situation. So, um, you know, we'll see, like, you know, everything Matt mentioned is, you know, is Texas going to be dialed in? Probably not, but is the athletic gap so big where, you know, a, a, a B minus Texas performance still beats a K State performance. Um, you know, I think I think that's the question because I don't think Kansas State is going to get Texas' best game. I just think that gap of athleticism and gap of talent still might be too big um, as Coach Kleiman tries to build this build this team. You know, the right way with with you know with the high school recruits. It's just gonna, like Matt said, it's going to take a couple years uh, to get his guys in there, which they can compete with these you know super athletic teams from the south. Matt, should Tom Herman be on the hot seat? And is he gone, certainly, if K-State wins this game? 
that's that's the million dollar question or the multi million dollar question in terms of his paycheck right now. Um, you know, I'm still shaking my head. At, at last Friday, when I'm sitting in, you know, DFW, and just like the, the four words keep reverberating in my brain, and those four words are "kick the field goal." I mean, it's not that difficult. Put yourself up seven. Uh, didn't do it, and it cost him. There's no doubt he's on the hot seat. Uh, what's still the, the, the rumor that still has my attention is Urban Meyer. Can you imagine if Urban Meyer takes over in Texas? Lord have mercy. Um, but, you know, with, with, that, with that said, Texas can still not play its best game and win. And there are two guys, one on each side of the football, that I think K-State's going to have a very difficult time matching up with. And that is Eagles, the wide receiver, and a guy by the name of Osai. He wears number 46, and he can absolutely wreck an offense. And he can do it single-handedly. And it, for me, it's going to be how, did, how can Kansas State you know, deal with, with Eagles, on the edge, big, tall, athletic wide receiver. Uh, to me, Osai is that number one guy. You know, what is does K State just double him all day? You know, what are the things they're going to have to do um, against Joseph Osai? I think that's a big part of, of what people need to watch come Saturday. Well, uh, again, that goes back to Travis's point that there's a lot of talent on that Texas team, which is why Tom Herman's in the spot he is. Travis. Uh, I am making you the athletics director at the University of Texas. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> it comes with no pay if I'm doing the hiring. Uh, what would you do with Tom Herman? Well, I'm probably never going to fire Mac Brown. So um, we're going to go. <laughs> uh, I think we've seen, you know, Mac Brown have success in North Carolina. So I think they might be regretting that. Uh, did he take, get fired or step down? I don't even technically remember how that all went down. But um, got pushed out of town of some sort. But. I mean, I don't know. I always err on the side of keeping the coach. I mean, you don't want to get the reputation of a program that just fires coaches every time they, you know, have one 500 season or, or don't make a Big 12 championship run or a conference championship run or can't make the playoffs. I mean, I just don't think you want to get that, you know, reputation as an, as an athletic department. And I think a lot of these teams don't know how good they have it, quote unquote, Nebraska, until – you know, until they realize how hard it is to win eight, nine, ten games on a consistent basis. So, um, you know, if you're Texas, I, I think you got to give them, you know, at least a couple more years. You know, they're not in the dog tag. They're not winning two or three ball games. And, you know, especially this season being the season that it was, um, you know, cut the guy some slack, give him a little grace, give him another year or two uh, to see if they can make a conference title run. Because, I mean, they're going to have the talent, whether he can coach it or not. I think you'll find that out in the next couple of years. This year has been a weird enough year. I think you got to give him some grace. What's interesting about this is Tom Herman is not Chris Del Conte's guy. And that's where it's ultimately going to come down to is, you know, does Chris Del Conte want to go get somebody else? I mean, athletic directors all the time will usher somebody out the door and, and take care of the buyout just so they can get their person in. Uh, and that's, again, that's what's going to be interesting. If Texas does lose on Saturday, then uh, the the heat's going to turn up that much higher. But you know, Travis brings up a good point. Think about the the name brands out there right now that have really had some struggles and whose coach has been on the hot seat. You know, you can put Texas in there. You can put 
uh, USC in that picture as well. And you know, USC's won some close ball games early on this year. So it's, I think it's a case of be careful what you wish for. Um, Chris Del Conte makes a lot of money. We'll see if he knows what's best for Texas. And if he does, make that change. You make the change if you've got Urban Meyer for sure. Absolutely. It's hard not to. Absolutely. Yeah, Other does. than that, I don't know. Would Texas go after Matt Campbell? Everyone's linking him to Michigan because he's from that Big Ten region. But if you're Texas, do you look at Matt Campbell with loving eyes and think, come on down, man? Not, not a big enough name. Yeah. Nope. Not, not a big enough splash for the, the burnt orange faithful, in my opinion. That's part of the problem. They're looking for more splash too often than than actually getting the guy. And I think Urban Meyer addresses both. I think he's the guy and a splash, a biggest splash as you can get. And I would uh, fear to think what that means for Big 12 football teams and what Texas could become. But it also would be really good for the marquee image of the, the conference if Texas got back on its feet. Um, Matt Campbell, let's go back to him. Is this maybe... Uh, the worst thing that could happen to Iowa State football is this season because there are some marquee programs, like you said, that might be making a move. Michigan is the most notable that might have interest in Matt Campbell. I think it's going to be tough for them to keep him and match the pay of a Michigan. And if they do, they're going to have some budgetary issues to address. Well, when it comes to Iowa State, Good for them. They haven't played in the championship yeah. since 1912. We haven't won a championship since 1912. Good for them. Uh, and good for them winning down in Austin. You know, they this year, for the first time, they've beaten both Texas and Oklahoma. And, again, there's those similarities to K-State. But uh, for, for Iowa State, you know, I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep a hold of Matt Campbell. You know, coaches say they love it there. They like it there. I think Matt Campbell's really genuine on that on that uh, side of the equation. But, you know, if, uh, if the big house and the maize and gold, or the maize and blue, I should say, comes, uh, comes a call and comes a knock, and it's going to be hard for him to say no to that, and Iowa State's going to be right back where they've been so many times. I, I did have to chuckle Saturday, late Saturday night. I might have been in, in the post-game scoreboard show, but I was taking a peek at Twitter, and Paul Rhodes sent out a congratulatory tweet, and I just thought that was awesome. I love like, Paul good Rhodes. For Paul Rhodes. Yeah, I, Trav, I don't know what Matt Campbell's going to do. There's not many Bill Snyder's in this world that uh, just stay put, turn down the offers to the point where they stopped offering. Uh, but he did have his chances early on when K State started to have success. Bill Snyder had his opportunities, most notably UCLA, uh, but stayed put. Is Matt Campbell going to be loyal, or is this going to end up being what we all expect it to be, a stepping stone to a job such as Michigan or maybe even Penn State? I mean, I think if you're Matt Campbell, you just got to take a step back and look at the big picture. I mean, are you going to go somewhere that allows you the opportunity to be successful? Are you going to get a true fair shot, or are you going to get fired after three years if you can't find a way to win a conference championship? Um, and, you know, Those are the types of conversations happening behind closed doors. Uh, with, with athletic directors and, um, and and agents and all that fun stuff. So, but yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, the, the more and more I get out of from my playing days, the more appreciative and understanding you are of someone like Coach Schneider that decided, you know, you know, his phone rang all the time, mm -hmm. and he said, "No, I am a Manhattanite, and I will 
uh, stay in Manhattan forever. And I love Manhattan, Kansas. Don't get me wrong. But if someone adds a zero to my paycheck, I'll go just about anywhere. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, it's hard for these guys to, you know, and I would say make, making good money. I don't know what a salary is, but making, making good money. Uh, but, you know, you get up to one of these blue bloods of, of, of college football and get to a Penn state or a Michigan or, you know, a Texas or a USC, you know, these top uh, 10 historic programs. I mean, the, the money is generational and, and you really have a chance to go out there and win a national championship. I think that's probably the biggest, um, you know, if I were a coach, why I would, why I would chase that bigger program. And I would say you're, you know, realistically, you're never going to win a national championship conference championships and are about uh, the ceiling there. But if you go to one of those blue bloods, you're going to get the recruits and you realistically have a chance to win a national championship, which is just something obviously super special that, uh, you know, would, would be, you know, would just make your whole entire career. So that would be probably why if, if I'm a head coach, why I'm tempted to go to those big programs. And I'm sure these, these head coaches are the same. Yeah. If you want to give me five, six million a year over six years, I'll probably take the risk of failure. Yeah, that's and you get fired and you get bought out and you I get know. Yeah. And if you get canned, you're going to get fifteen to twenty million. Yeah, I, that's generational wealth. You're good. You're you're, you're Mark Mangino sitting down in, in uh, Naples right now. I know, guys. We we need to find professions where we can be bad enough to get paid. I know. I mean, it's incredible. It's an amazing profession when you get to that level. Let's switch over to hoops a little bit, Matt. I don't know how much of the basketball you got to see. Um, it sounds like you were traveling on Friday, but I didn't see anything I didn't expect from K-State in those losses to Drake or Colorado. I saw a young team in the progress of trying to become a better team, but it ain't going to be easy this season. They've got so many young players. Well, the college basketball season is off to a very rough start because of COVID. Uh, and I'm going to digress for just a moment. I thought, well, one thing that was also interesting over the weekend was that we surpassed the 100 game total that's been postponed or canceled due to COVID. And the basketball number is rising rapidly. I, I did see Wednesday's game, the loss to Drake. I did not see the game with Colorado Friday night. Uh, and I didn't see a, a lot of things that, that I didn't expect. What I did think on Wednesday alone is – K-State's going to have a pretty good point guard. Mm-hmm. Nigel Pack is going to be a legitimate Big 12 point guard. I also thought that I really liked how Davion Bradford played on Wednesday. Uh, he's not a stiff. He's a seven-footer that can move. He does some good things. And, um, you know, I thought I thought uh, Casey did a nice job. He's Yegu did some good things. I, I thought maybe he took a few too many shots and forced the issue a little bit, but you know, you gotta, gotta understand where he's coming from. He hadn't played in a couple of years and he's trying to make an impact, but uh, you know, it's an incredibly young team. I don't know that it's going to be a great shooting team. It doesn't help that Kasuki's not playing right now. That's their marksman. He's on the shelf for a while, but there are some positives. This is a team though. that's going to take some lumps. I mean, Colorado, Got after him. Uh, you know, a pretty good UNLV team comes to town Saturday night. And uh, I was disappointed to see the Butler game getting postponed because that would be a blast of a road trip for those kids to play in that venue. We'll see if somehow, some way gets rescheduled. But um, yeah, it's going it to set out all the external factors, COVID among them. 
it's going to be a grind again. And Bruce Weber and his staff know it. They just have to keep the guys positive and um, keep coaching them up and getting them better. Trav, this football season for me has been about getting in games. Just play, man. Just get out there and play. And somehow K-State has gone through its schedule unscathed in terms of having cancellations or postponements. Barring something weird happening, they will get through these 10 games on schedule Saturday. That ain't happening in basketball. I mean, it's just a mess, and it will be a mess as cases continue to rise. And also, once it gets into your locker room, you're just shut down for two, three weeks. I mean, that's going to happen to teams as as we go forth. But with K-State, um, kind of a overhead view of things, you just want to play. And if you have to reschedule Butler, reschedule it. And if you lose a game like tonight's schedule game against uh, Kansas City, which is on, on course to be played, don't get me wrong. Uh, but if a game like that gets postponed, go grab someone and go play. Just play. Get these guys as much experience as you can in this weird, weird year. I mean, yeah, I mean, basketball is obviously a little different where you can't really, you know, group guys together and keep them away from each other. It's kind of, you know, your top seven, eight, nine guys got to be in the same room. They got to watch the same film when they're, you know, they're, they're face-to-face in practice every time where football, you can have your running backs over here and your wide receivers over here, and they really don't need to spend that much time in close proximity. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously I do think basketball is maybe a little easier just to go out there and play. Um, you know, you can put in some basic offensive schemes, some basic defensive schemes, and at least go out there and, and put it together. Uh, somewhat of, of a basketball team where football, I think there's a lot more, you know, obviously some intricacies in the offense and if one player is not where they're supposed to be, the whole entire play is a disaster uh, from the offensive side of the ball where it's a touchdown on the defensive side of the ball. So hopefully, you know, with those advantages going to basketball, they'll find a, be, be able to find a way to get as many games in as possible. Because, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, K-State miraculously, you know, barring a, a surprise from this Texas game, we'll get every single game in this year. Um, and props to K-State, too. There's probably a couple games in there where they could have canceled and, and no one would have thought twice about it. Um, you know, so like Iowa State game, you know, nine or two best linebackers, three best linebackers. I mean, they could have delayed and or canceled a few games. And I think that just proves, you know, this Coach Kleiman and blue-collar type of attitude is like he doesn't care. He just wants to go out there and play. Yeah. These guys are going to get better. Let the process take care of itself. Wins and losses will take care of themselves. Um, and I think that's really, if you have that attitude, you know, if Bruce Weber has that attitude on the on the basketball team, obviously they're young and they just need reps under their belt and, and, and minutes under their belt. And, you know, we'll see a, pretty, a much better team at the end of this season, which we have on the football side, than we will on the basketball side as well. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how many games Kansas State basketball can get in. Well, they have some games that look like the Denver Broncos playing without quarterbacks, which was a weird thing this weekend. Um, I, I still can't believe yeah, NFL did that. that was crazy. I, you talk about taking a hard-line stance on COVID infections. If you don't follow protocols, that's not, not an excuse not to play. If you lose all your quarterbacks, find one. Uh, that was a pretty hard line by the NFL. But we're going to see that in basketball. We're going to see some teams line up with seven, eight guys. Roger Goodell might as well have tweeted or texted, hey, just run the single wing. You'll be fine. I know. It was crazy. I I didn't get to watch the game, but the poor guy was one of nine passing. Um, he looked like Matt Walters out there, honestly. Oh, yeah. Hey, quick side note. This is totally from left field. If you have never gone to watch a Texas high school playoff game, you've got to do so at some point in time. I, I went and watched my second playoff game Friday night. A couple of uh, 
schools in Kansas that would be, you know, about the 3A, 2A size, like uh, let's say a Smith Center. And it was a blast. It was a 37-35 game, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Um, that just, I missed it not being able to see much high school football here in this area uh, this year. But um, it was it was Rodgers and Buffalo. And Buffalo, uh, Buffalo wound up winning the game by two. But if you have to go experience that if you haven't at some point because it's just a different world down there. Pretty Pretty big stuff. Speaking of Kansas high school football, Derby coach Brandon Clark will be my guest on this week's Sources podcast as he's won another state title. We're going to talk about his time at K-State and uh, what it's like to be coaching at a powerhouse like Derby that he's built. Um, and would he take the Michigan job? There we go. That's that's my <laughs> leap, to, my leap hey, right there. I've talked to him plenty of times about jumping to the college ranks, and I know exactly what he's going to tell you. Yep, he will. Loves Derby. Hey, he's won six out of the last eight, six A state titles. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, what, what happened those other two years? He's got to pull it together. Well, hey, you is... know how you need to start that conversation? What? Don't start it with, hey, you just beat Blue Valley North and won another six A title. Start it with, hey, your cousin housed you right away at the beginning of the season. I mean, what was it like to just get your doors blown off <laughs> by Mill Valley? Start it that way and see how it goes. Oh. And tell him I said to do so. That I will. I will throw you under the bus anytime I can, Matt Walters. I was also joined by Travis Tannehill. Gentlemen, thank you very much. A great edition of the Insiders Podcast brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. We'll be back next week after K-State wraps up its football season, the regular season. Who knows if we're going to have bowls. That's a whole different topic we'll tackle later on on this podcast. I'm Fitz, and we'll talk to you later. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.